Ladies and gentlemen, we are live from the basement that we record from. This is Double Turn Radio. My name is Xavier Heat, wrestling's favorite hothead. And next to me is my beautiful and lovely co-host. The man with no gimmick, the James Conti. You are tuned into Total Nonstop Review. This is a show where we are going to be reviewing... TNA slash Impact slash GFW slash whatever the fuck they've called themselves over the last 25 years. <laughs> you got that. And much to the dismay of James, we are going to be reviewing it in its entirety, starting with the NWA TNA pay-per-views. We've already gotten off to a hot, hot start, but let's go ahead and plug the social media. You can find us anywhere. Uh, you have a internet search provider. Go ahead and Google Double Turn Radio wherever you can, and you will find us on Twitter at Double Turn Radio. The ending O is a zero. Facebook is Double Turn Radio. Instagram is Double Underscore Turn Underscore Radio. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, The Works. Anywhere you can listen to our beautiful little voices is where you can hear Double Turn Radio. Shout out to Joey Flats who provides the intro and outro song to every single podcast. And before you know it, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be your number one wrestling audio encyclopedia. Whether you are on the road as a worker or as a fan at home or just somebody who needs their professional wrestling fix, let us be your one-stop shop for all things professional wrestling. We went ahead and did War Ready, which chronicles the Monday Night Wars. Now we're kind of getting away from that. We're showing what WWF and WWE was doing after the disassembly of WCW. And now we're showing what the NWA is doing on their home front to kind of make up for the lack of programming now on their end. Uh, James, I see the look on your face. What'd you think, buddy? It was the most okay wrestling show I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was like it was nothing to write home about. It was, it, it, but it was it was entertaining at at points. It's it had par its, for the course for had, WCW and NWA and all them, right? Yeah, it kind of sets the tone for what TNA becomes Un, until it doesn't become it for a little bit, for, and then I, for, a very, for about a, a, an eighteenth of that time. <laughs> It's the real, like, the pinching emoji. You know how close that margin is? That's just it, about that's how about close the TNA margin was in terms of entertainment. Yeah. But we're going to get through it in its entirety. So, quickly, just to give you a rundown of what the history for uh, for those who might not know, because Impact is Impact's had a long, storied history of both successes and failures. But uh, between the demise of WCW, the now rebranding of the WWE in 2002, there were a, a bunch of wrestlers that didn't want to go back to WWE. They wanted to go and they wanted WCW to live on. And not only did they not want to be in WWE, the WWE did not want these people either. Yeah, and for very good reason. Yeah, we do. So we do have some WWE um, people who left. We have some future legends who left the company and joined the NWA and TNA. We have some leftover stars from the WCW who never got contracted. Uh, we've got people who, uh, once the invasion happened, there were so many contracted superstars that a lot of other superstars needed to leave. So we get a culmination of a dead roster and uh, you know wrestlers from different territories. And let's not forget those 
quote unquote knockouts that right. we saw. Right. And the territory days were kind of already well over out done. So the NWA still had its promotions at the time, just prior to the show, Dan Severn was the NWA world champion prior to this show. He declined to defend it on TNA and therefore it was stripped of the championship. And that's why the championship is vacant going into the show. Yes. And they are fighting for the 10 pounds of gold. Everybody, the, the quintessential NWA title that has been famed throughout history. This is the belt that they're going after. And uh, to complement what James said before, so the territories have died, and now you really have the true, I want to say the true birth of independent wrestling promotions, at least the term independent wrestling promotion, because that kind of wasn't uh, uh, mentioned before, at least in WCW. Yeah, you had New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, you had AAA, and you had CMLL, but those really in... I guess the grand scheme of things weren't considered independent pro wrestling. Now you've got like the USWA, the IWA, ECW, promotions like that, at least in this day and age, are considered your independent promotions. They're not right. like your indies of now, your, you know, local indie or your, you know, semi-national indie, indie that you see. Right. You've got indies all over the place now. Whether you're looking for it or not, you're going to find an indie company that's either wrestling in front of 10 people or 100 people weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, you're bound to find something. Nonetheless, the success of TNA after the 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 dismay of WCW kind of paved the way for all those companies to come about. And it leads us to what TNA started doing, which was weekly pay-per-views, which I got to wonder how much money they actually made off of. I'm assuming enough because it TNA is still around today, just at, just rebranded as Impact Wrestling. I also wonder if it was pre-taped, too. We haven't done that much research into looking back at it, but I, I'm kind of wondering if it is or if people actually came out week to week to watch this kind of product. Yeah, I believe that it all takes place in the same arena, the Von Braun Civic Center in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, at least for a good chunk of time before they end up breaking away from the NWA and ended up going to the impact zone in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like you said, we've got our first TNA NWA weekly pay-per-view. This is on June 19th, 2002. We are live from the Von Braun center in Huntsville, Alabama. Immediately we get Don West RIP, the great voice of TNA coming down to the ramp to hype the show. Uh, he then introduces Ed Ferrara, your favorite corn frontman, and uh, he is introduced to the crowd. He then talks about how ex he's excited for all types of TNA, not just total nonstop action, because we'll get to that in a little bit. Half the reason that they changed the name anyways, but yeah, go for it, King. Yeah, <laughs> and then he hypes the professor of vanilla, Mike, Mike Tanay. God knows what the fuck that meant. I have no clue. But we get an we get an announcement for how we're going to decide the NWA World's Championship at the end of the show. In the main event, we're going to have a gauntlet for the gold. If you've seen a Royal Rumble and you've seen a singles match, guess what? Pretty much the exact same thing. They just decided to mix the two. We don't get a mention of why the NWA title has been uh, stripped. We don't get a mention of Dan no. Severn at all in this program. We just... 
They just say that the NWA title has been vacated, and now it is up for grabs by just about anybody in the company. Right. Uh, and if for, go- for the basic rules of the match, like I was saying, it's the Royal Rumble combined with... Well, basically, it's a Royal Rumble up until... There's two men left. Every 90 seconds, a new wrestler comes in, starts with two men in the ring, yada, yada, yada. You guys know how that works. Then, once there's two men left, it is one fall to a finish. There's no time limit. There must be a winner. And that will determine the NWA World's Championship. Yeah. Uh, so, we've got commentary doing a good job of selling the show at first. And then they introduce Jeremy Borash, who's in the ring with his best in-sync impression, uh, his frosted tips that he's got on his head. And for you fucking youngins out there who don't know what frosted tips are, take somebody with black hair, dye the tips of their fucking head yellow, and that's what you got. Yeah. Frosted tips. If you think that that looks ugly, you're damn right, baby. It looked awful. But back in the early 2000s, this that was, was the fucking all the rage. Wave. That was, that's how we do it. In sync, Backstreet Boys, your regular cool guy, had frosted tips. We get a... a introduction for many 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 different legends of the nwa some of which we knew some of which we did not know and most of which who are unfortunately no longer with us so we have harley race dory funk jr jackie fargo bullet barb bullet bob armstrong uh corsica joe sarah lee bill barons and finally ricky the dragon steamboat is out to a huge pop and Ricky has the NWA belt in hand walking down the ramp. We'll kind of explain who some of these legends are because some of them make a appearance later in the show and others absolutely don't. There are two who look like they're about to croak in the ring getting, getting out there. Uh, so there's going to be a couple that we don't mention in the slightest. Nonetheless, we get... Ricky the Dragon Steamboat coming out. He grabs the mic and he thanks the fans for coming and talks about the legacy of the NWA and how TNA is about to revamp that legacy after the death of WCW. Ricky then announces that he's going to be the special guest referee of the singles match that is to uh, conclude after the Battle Royal tonight. Someone's music hits and it's none other than the Double J E F F J A. R-R-E-T-T. Yeah, I said it wrong. I don't care. It's Jeff Jarrett, motherfuckers. <laughs> no guitar in hand. And uh, he talks about the gaunt for the gold. He thinks it's a bunch of crap. And pretty much there, he's saying that n- nobody in the, in that ring has ever had a, a world title won by a battle royal. True. True. I did look that up. Facts. Uh, yep. Absolute facts. And it, basically, he's burying the booking of the show. And on top of that, he's uh, while he's complaining... Uh, Jackie Fargo gets on and says that Jeff Jarrett can kiss his ass. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett, you could kiss my ass. I really thought that was going to turn into a match between... I would not have held it over anybody who booked TNA in the last 25 years to tell me that Jackie Fargo wasn't about to rip the shirt off and fight Jeff Jarrett. I would have believed it 100% until it didn't happen. And Jackie Fargo at this time was about 70 years old, which is about the age of Ric Flair, give or take, right about now. Give or take about five or, or, or six fucking years. So just imagine Ric Flair back then, you know, like uh, somebody like Ric Flair back then wrestling. Right. Somebody like Jeff Jarrett. More music hits and Ken Shamrock comes out. And guess what? Instead of confronting the obvious heel in the company, he goes and agrees with him. Yeah, the Battle Royale's fucking stupid. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? And then he's like, uh, he, he said, just says, oh, you think you're going to kick everyone's ass? You're not going to kick my ass. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Oh, now, now, so that's where the disagreement is. Okay. Okay. And then we get more music, and, and now Scott Hall comes out the crowd. Exactly. It's drunk Scott Hall because he looked absolutely wasted during this. I don't know if he he still has the stench of the WWF and the WWE on him as he's coming out. But commentary does a good job to hype him up because they say how he just really left the WWE and joined uh, the NWA TNA. Uh, and guess what? If you think that he's going to disagree with either of those men, no. After he does his patented, hey, yo. He goes and he does the exact same spiel as Ken, but then says that they should stop bitching about it and that none of them are going to yes. beat him. Stop bitching about what I just bitched about. Exactly. Essentially is what we got. <laughs> We get to a backstage segment with Goldilocks, and this is where I almost lost faith in the entire show. I almost had to stop watching because <laughs> she's interviewing the midget killer, who is a midget. Little Pup, person. Little person. I, we're going to say midgets because they say midgets. Right. There you're gonna, they address them all as midgets. All of our notes say midgets. We're going to say midgets. We get... Midget killer, puppet, psycho, dwarf, whatever. And he goes, yeah, we're starting to show off with some midgets because he wants to taste some midget blood. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> and then guess what the show doesn't start out with? Midgets. Midgets Wait, at all. And, and the best part is, is that they gave him all of those nicknames and none of those nicknames made it out to the ring. Because not when he does one. go out and wrestle, it's not under any of those names. Frankly, I don't even think it's him that comes out to fucking wrestle. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Nonetheless, we get exotic dan wait. dancers in cages. Wait, wait. We're not saying that every midget looks the same. But in this one instance, all of these midgets look the same. <laughs> they all had frosted white tips. I they had or blonde know. tips. I was like, yo, I was almost confident they did a... a a mock Royal Rumble for Hornswoggle on Raw one year, and one of them, I'm almost positive one of them played a little Mr. Kennedy. <laughs> almost positive. Anyways. This, this was incredible. In case you were thought we were going to talk about midgets right off the bat, we are not. No. We're going right to our first match, which is actually a pretty stacked bunch of names. We've got AJ Styles, Loki, and Jerry Lynn taking on the Flying Elvis impersonators they went by two different names they addressed them as the El elvises and then the the tag uh the the ticker, the ticker at the bottom of the screen goes the elvis impersonators i'm like what the fuck is going on and by the way that contains the team of jorge estrada jimmy yang who's jimmy wang yang uh later on in the wwe and uh, and sunny, sunny sakai. sakai sakai is that how they pronounce yeah, it I sunny sakai i don't know what those two people did i don't know I think Jorge Estrada is a former NWA so Jorge, champion. Yeah, Jorge, uh, Jorge Estrada, I believe, is a former NWA world champion. And Sonny Sakai, uh, he, what's it called? Uh, he ended up retiring not too long after this because he had to donate his uh, kidney to his brother. And the rest, and the doctors told him he could never wrestle again. Well, I mean, that's a good reason for not being able to wrestle again. Absolutely. All right, so Mike Tanay talks about how the NWA had cruiserweights and how the WCW had cruiserweights. But the TNA is getting rid of all that and getting rid of the weight classes. And now it's all about the action. So they created the X Division. And if you're wondering what the X Division was, it's the Cruiserweight Division. Because there ends up, for the most part, just being cruiserweights. Being cruiserweights. We got an exception coming up years later. Yeah. Years after this. Because, yeah. Somebody. So, somebody certain, goes somebody, and takes it. certain two people, really. Yeah. But... 
Nonetheless. Uh, so uh, the baby faces go for a handshake in the middle of the ring, but then the Elvises deny them as the baby faces are walking towards the apron. Uh, the Elvises go and attack them from behind. Honestly, there was a lot of action that I really like. So I can't give you a blow by blow, but we can't give you like a generalized uh, 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 synopsis of what was going on. So we got tandem high flying offense from Loki and Jerry Lynn to the outside to start while AJ is in the ring and he's chopping one of the Elvises uh, to a absolute hilarious sell job from this guy. He got chopped and sold it like a 90s soap opera gunshot. Just completely, yeah. exactly, just completely yeah. did, made a noise, turned around, grabbed his chest like it was such an effect on him, but really it did nothing because he no-sold it right after that. Mike Tanay said that all the faces plus psychosis is going to be fighting for the X Division title come next week. So the next pay-per-view after this, they're all going to be fighting for the title. Kind of doesn't make sense uh, given the finish of this match, but we'll talk about that in a second. Right. Um, the heels have control after this, after a reversal from Jimmy Wang Yang. I'm sorry, just Jimmy Yang. Uh, the faces then get control once Low Key is tagged in. There's a lot of fast and cruiserweight action from all six men. They're like, no doubt about it. Yeah, it was very tough. I've got like a couple sporadic of different things. A lot of kicks, a lot of, a lot of thigh slapping. A lot of a kicks, lot. a lot of thigh slapping, a lot of flips. Um, lot Sakai of flips. does a sick backbreaker onto Low Key. Uh, Jorge Estrada is now in after that, and he does a sloppy neckbreaker on Loki while Loki was on the top rope. Almost thought he broke his neck there. Uh, Loki then fires up and hits two chest kicks and a brutal head kick for a double down a la Brian Danielson, you know, kind of. Uh, so we get the double down. After this, Jimmy and Styles are now tagged in. AJ hits a flying forearm that turns into a lion salt and an inverted DDT. So some pretty creative fucking offense from AJ Styles at this point. I, I I think there were still moves in this match that I honestly don't see around in wrestling uh, uh, this day and age. And that just tells you to the innovativeness of, if that's even a word, um, the innovative nature of all six of these people. Um, uh, Estrada goes and hits a... Uh, missile drop kick after AJ had Jimmy in the corner and Loki gave a wheel kick to AJ Styles instead of Jimmy Wang Yang. So you've got Loki down, you've got AJ down, you got Estrada being the only man up. Uh, he gets sent outside while he was talking to the ref, um, uh, who's absolutely gassed this entire time. Jimmy Wang Yang. Then hits a corkscrew moonsault on AJ for the win after he recovered. So the Flying Elvises win. Yeah, pretty entertaining match. I, the He's, thing that I wanted to talk to you about makes no sense as to why AJ Styles is now competing for the X Division title next week, given the fact that he just ate the pin from Jimmy Yang. Right. It should be Jimmy Yang inside the X Division title. Right, exactly. Out. If we're going by official rules in wrestling, you beat the man, you are the man. Of course. So, interesting enough, but... Kind of goes over the people's head. Yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I, I I'm think, a stickler for, for yeah. logistic, you know, like... I think that at this semantics. point, it's so brand new that they are like, we'll figure it out That and go. this match was so fucking all over the place. I don't even think the ref knew, like, yeah. what to do Yeah, it was point. it was pretty good. There was a lot of really nice, like, tag, tag six-man tags get a little convoluted, but this was actually... I thought the pacing was a little fast, but nonetheless, a lot of really good offense, a lot of really cool moves. So mm -hmm. you got to give a lot of time for the battle royal, which happened at the end of the night. But yeah, 
Um, For the most part, all these opening matches are under 10 minutes. Yeah, the second match of the night. Okay, so the first match, actually, um, the Flying Elvises versus AJ Styles, Jerry Lynn, and Loki. Jerry Lynn kind of didn't have any real, like, offense in the whole thing. That lasted 6 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, and now we have the second match of the evening, and it's one of James's favorites. Oh, this was awesome. It's the midget match. Yep. It's uh, T.O. versus Hollywood. And whether or not I got the guy who was talking backstage or not, I have no idea. But uh, Scott Armstrong's in the ring, by the way. and He's the ref of the match. He's he, not one of the midgets. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> Just want to clarify. Just I feel like it. we should have a midget referee for a midget match. Well, that 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 was that was a missed opportunity on their part Huge because that would have been great. And I've seen some indie indie shows in this area have midget referees for Others. normal matches, and yeah. it's like you know you gotta wonder. Huntsville, Alabama is the land of make believe when it comes to professional wrestling. Oh, don't worry, we haven't even gotten to fluffed up yet. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, so we've got uh, Scar Armstrong as the ref. We get an early quick botch as we have a fucked up tilt a world to start the match. So it starts off great. Yep. I was able to keep track of the wrestlers. James was not. I the only thing I was like, I don't even know who's who. Luckily, Tio had his his name on his gear, and I was like, all right, I, I, I'll try to follow that because they were both dressed the same. Yeah, literally the exact same, no color difference at all. And uh, so Tio gives Hollywood. Uh, a butter knife edge. <laughs> I didn't realize you wrote that in the notes. <laughs> butter knife edge chops. <laughs> so, so Tio's giving Hollywood knife edge chops. And the only thing I can be thinking of in my head is those aren't knife edge. Those are butter knife edge. <laughs> so Tio goes and gives Hollywood butter knife edge chops and a corner drop headbutt to the nuts. <laughs> Tio has control of Hollywood at this point. Um, the punches are halfway there. And I'm not talking about because of their arm reach. I'm just talking about. Oh my I god! I can't do this. I can't, you can't do this. Do this. They this, throw punches at each other. This is so bad. Hollywood hits a power slam on Tio, and he gets a roll up uh, while uh, Hollywood was jaw jacking the referee. And when we say jaw jack, I mean he was talking to Scarlett Armstrong's nuts. Because he couldn't, he couldn't yell in Scarred Armstrong's face. Oh, God, this is going to sound great. Uh, Hollywood then hits T.O. with a hard shot and goes up to the top for a tadpole splash for a two. Kid. That's Tapple Splash goes for a false finish. Don West says he jumped twice. <laughs> he did say that. He did say this. Don West said that he jumped twice the distance on a normal vision would. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We get more miscommunication the two <laughs> between the two. And Theo decides to hit uh, a side Russian leg sweep. He gets, uh, uh, Tio goes on top, hits a botched swanton, completely missed him, by the way. Doesn't even hit a swanton. It's not even a senton. I don't know what he hits him with. He just jumps. 
<laughs> he sorry wins. for the audio, people. Tio wins. Holy cow! Sorry for the audio. <laughs> and we find out that Tio, which this would have been nice to know when he was coming in, his name's is Tio. It stands for Total E Outstanding. <laughs> We get more strippers. <laughs> okay, we are back. We, we had, had to, we had to take a, we had to, we had to pause. We had to take a laughter break oh for a second um, because of that outrageousness that we just had to review. Um, so, like James said, we got more strippers. I think this is the most we're probably gonna laugh yeah. throughout this whole pay per view because everything else kind of gets just a little wonky. Um, no, wait. I'm sorry. No, no, we got something else. <laughs> we got something else to laugh about. Here we go. Um, Ed Ferrara and Don West are in the ring now. Then they start talking about the upcoming lingerie battle royal that's going to be happening the next week. So we have to do a little bit more research. I want to know if this was the originator of the lingerie battle royals or if WWF was doing it first. I want to say WWF was I probably doing it first. I want to say the WWF did Like the bra and panties matches. Yeah. I would um, say so. Or what one would what one would call a skin to win match because you have to show the the skin. I, I heard that that is a formal way of calling these types of matches. Nonetheless, um, they talk about the upcoming battle royal, which is going to be happening next week. Make sure you check out episode two of Total Nonstop Reviews because after this midget match, we have more to come. Oh, let's go. Um, Don begged and Eddie demanded that they give the fans a tease and they start showing the competitors who are going to be in the match. Okay, so we're going to preface this. There was a lot of sexualization going on in professional wrestling at this point and a lot of womanizing. So when you hear us talking about stuff like this, we don't represent the values of those companies and the values of those people. Do we think it's funny? Absolutely, because it's so damn outdated. Uh, case in point, this battle royal right here. Yep. Um, so uh, tell them who's out first. Yeah, so we get Francine, uh, the first lady of ECW, and she's in dressed in what... Uh, uh, in what like what like a tablecloth with it's like... not a g-string it's like a dress that got cut up her legs were showing three quarters of her ass cheeks were showing she didn't have any underwear on underneath it was quite a spectacle to see and tna didn't bother blurring out anything yep uh then we had uh miss joni after that and uh alexis uh larie who is later going to be known as mickey james <laughs> There's a former uh, Ravens cheerleader in there, former ECW star Electra. Taylor Vaughn is out there as well. And uh, once all the women are, are in the ring, Don West hypes up the match, then Francine takes the mic. So to preface all of this, not many of these women are actual professional wrestlers. Yeah, I have no idea. The, the women that we mentioned were A, the women that we caught their names, and B... The women that we gave a fuck enough to actually like look up and see if they did anything. I'm not sure if Taylor Vaughn did anything. The Ravens cheerleader, I don't even know her name. They just mentioned that she was a Ravens cheerleader. And then obviously Alexa Lurry, um, when she came out, we saw that she was Mickey James. Uh, they mentioned her her um, independent uh, experience, so that was cool that that was acknowledged. Uh, but once all the women are in the ring, yeah, Don West hypes the match. Francine takes the mic and says that none of the women compare to her. Electra then takes the mic and says that Francine shouldn't be the queen of extreme. She's old news. 
And then she throws a shot that says Francine bankrupted ECW, so she should leave before uh, TNA gets bankrupted as well. We then get a mini cat fight between Elektra and uh, Francine. And I'll just say that all that TNA was exposed in all of its glory because these women's yams were out and about during this fight. Yep. Uh, Francine takes the mic after she gets uh, after she pummels Electra and they break it up. She gets outside the ring and says she's going to be the first Miss TNA. Uh, we then go backstage with Goldilocks again. And if you, if anybody wants to know who Goldilocks is, she's a former singer. Don't know what song she's ever sung, but she's here. Yep, and uh, she's doing a backstage interview with somebody who has the greatest wrestling name I have ever heard in my life. And we thought that Rad Radford was the greatest wrestling name we've ever heard, but it, this might have taken the case. This is it. Mortimer Plumtree. And if you're wondering who Mortimer Plumtree is, Mortimer Plumtree is Mortimer Plumtree. As far as I know, we're looking it up as we go, because why wouldn't we have gone and just looked it up? Uh, so he's an actor. I don't see him doing really anything else. He would he tried out from WCW in 97, but was then ejected from the locker room by then president Eric Bischoff after a misunderstanding. He nearly retired and then he focused his energy as a manager in steel domain wrestling he ace managed steel a school. group known as the chicago group which was ace steel danny dominion and brad bradley no relation to rad radford <clears throat> yeah so he uh talks about how his life was filled with torment and pain and how that leads to will and power he then has a tag team who was going to come out and they were once his tormentors but are now his servants they do whatever he says, and they only listens to him. He now calls on them to make their presence known in the company. They are the Johnsons. And if you're wondering who the Johnsons are, they're nobody of absolute note. Uh, it's just Richard and Rod Johnson. Yes. They're dressed like the conquistadors. If you've seen the Edge and Christian uh, stuff from the Attitude Era where they dress up, they're basically conquistador one and two. Okay. Now, after knowing all of this... And getting the grand scheme of things, now that I'm in review mode, I get the idea of this. Do you? They're dicks. Right. I mean... Dick I Johnson, as in Richard Johnson, and then Rod Johnson? Right. They're dicks. Yeah, I get it too. They're, ju they're just a bunch of penises. Yeah, which, uh, again, early <laughs> 2000s and all that. Uh, they're taking on the team of Psychosis... And uh, Cowboy James Storm. And this is probably the earliest of anything that I've seen of James Storm. So, yeah. very interesting. Psychosis, I've seen uh, his stuff in Mexico and Japan. So and WCW, WCW. When he's facing Rey Mysterio and he had the mask. He doesn't have the mask. Uh, no, he does not have point. the mask. Uh, but James Storm comes out with uh, cap guns. And he goes a little pew pew. Uh, and Ed Ferrara says that he thought cowboy gimmicks were outlawed after 95. That being the smoke and guns. So, a little shot towards WWF, maybe, and that, like, old style of gimmick. Um, nonetheless, we get one of the Johnsons in the ring with psychosis. The Johnsons. Jesus Christ. I'm going to have to try not to laugh just like I'm laughing with 
the midgets. Uh, the Johnsons have the obvious height and weight advantage. Psychosis uses his speed to get the advantage. He then tags Storm in to do a missile drop kick and get both men outside. We then get Alicia out ringside. And if you know and have listened to our reviews for War Ready, you will know that Alicia is a WCW uh, personality. Uh, she comes out and just starts standing there and watching, but she will have a presence in just a few short moments. Uh, after this, <clears throat> after Alicia shown, a storm reverses a wheelbarrow and then tags in psychosis. Um, the ref is like shitty. Terrible. He's terrible Awful. in this match. Can't keep control. Everybody's involved. I. Yeah, half the time they're tagging each other. I don't know if the ref sees it or not. If he's just going with it, hey, yeah, just go do your thing. That's kind of where we're at at this point. Yeah, the ref is signaling for somebody to stay back. I'm assuming it's one of the photographers that are in the way because there are photographers ringside, as this was, you know, back in the early 2000s when that was allowed. Right. Uh, then commentary makes some Johnson jokes, as I desperately want to do right now, but I'm going to keep my composure for this review, <laughs> not yeah. like the midget. Um, Alicia's then shown more times, but doesn't make any moves. Ed Ferrara points out that the ref was signaling to Alicia for something. So th that kind of tells you where this may be going. James Storms is in the ring with both men and Psychosis tries to help, but no avail. Psychosis and one of the Johnsons go outside while Storm and the other is in the ring. Storm tries to go for a tornado DDT, misses, hits the rope, but then gets caught up by Mortimer. Uh, the other Johnson then takes advantage and hits Storm with a Samoan drop for the win. Very sloppy. Very Don't know odd. what the fuck was going on at all. Right. The the finish just decided to happen. Uh, but then after the finish occurred, the ref powders out, doesn't even raise the hands of the Johnsons. And as he's trying to leave the uh, uh, ringside area, he gets stopped by Alicia, who's trying to block his exit. Then the ref, you know, tries to go around him a couple times. And all of a sudden, we see him take a stack of money out of his hands and put it in Alicia's. And commentary was just as confused as I was. And we get no explanation, so we'll have to tune in next week. No explanation. No nothing throughout the rest of the night. Hey, look what this ref did. Why would he do such a thing? No backstage vignette to talk about, hey, what did this ref just do to you, to Alicia? Right. No nothing. Just, nothing. hi, ref gives me money. I leave. Yep. We go backstage once again. Goldilocks is now interviewing the Dups, Bo Dup, and Stand Up. And if you don't know who Stand Up is, Stand Up is the later Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch would actually go on to be an NWA world champion. Keep going, buddy, because this just the names are pissing me off. Yep. Uh, so Stan is picking his nose and uh, has a mouthful of dip. They go over to uh, the locker room area where they have their cousin girlfriend thing sister cousin brother sister, uncle yeah uh we're in alabama of course so this makes just about as much sense right uh so this woman with very large bosoms comes out and she's in a pair of daisy dukes uh she is apparently both the dup's girlfriend and her name is fluffed up <laughs> they all have beer there's an official back there who says uh, that they can't drink, and I'm sure if Stone Cold was here, he would gladly abide by that rule. Uh, Fluff says uh, that they work with a bunch of pussies uh, at TNA. Wow. 
Yeah, pretty much was just like, oh, I welcome the pay per view. I didn't know we worked with a bunch of like losers or something yeah. like that. Pretty much calls them a bunch of pussies. Yeah, pretty well, much. I was paraphrasing, but Jeremy Borash is now in the ring after this, and he introduces. Oh boy, okay, forgot about this segment for a second. He introduces the 1993 Bush Series Rookie of the Year, Herbie Sadler. We're in 2002. So it's nine years removed from whatever this was, but they decided to get whatever NASCAR fuck they could string up in Alabama. And hey, then they, down south, they love their NASCAR. Yep, they love their left turns. Uh, and then they got the current Winston Cup points leader, Sterling Marlin. Now, my dad was a big fan of NASCAR during this time and thereafter, and I've never fucking heard of Sterling Marlin. If you ain't Dale Earnhardt or Jeff Gordon, get the fuck out my way. That's how it is. Fuck you, Alabama. They're both NASCAR guys. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, if you couldn't fucking tell, they're both NASCAR guys. They come out with jeans and button-up shirts and, you know. Southern accents. Your Texas collars and all that good stuff. Uh, Borash does an e a brief interview that amounts to damn near nothing. And then we get uh, K-Crush out to the ring. To interrupt and says that he's sick and tired of hearing about race car drivers. And if you don't know who K-Crush is, let K him know. Yep. K-Crush is the former K-Quick, the future Ron the Truth Killings, and the future R-Truth. Our resident multi-time 24-7 champion of the world. Yes, multi-ballot, double-turn radio, Hall of Famer. 100%. Absolutely. Uh, so he goes and he interrupts, like I said. He says he's sick and tired of hearing about race car drivers. This is pro wrestling. They have no business inside of the ring. He then says that he's an athlete and that pro wrestlers are athletes and that NASCAR drivers aren't athletes. There are some, like, racial undertones. Yeah, I was about thing. to say, like, so they're saying, uh, like... R-Truth so, says our kind does this and your kind does that. I don't know if that's like a, well, white people drive cars and we're out. And then he went on a tangent. He was like, we shoot basketballs and throw footballs and catch, catch touchdowns. touchdowns. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, this is getting uh, weird here. Yeah, uh, just a little bit. Um, Sadler, the 1993 Bush Series Rookie of the Year, he then grabs the mic and he jaw jacks uh, K-Crush. And he says that he's not an athlete just looking the way he's looking right now. Uh, ooh, that's mm. fighting words in my book. Fighting words, and we're getting uh, we're, we're getting close. We're getting real, real close here. Uh, K-Crush says that there are a lot of NAS... Oh, I'm sorry. Sadler says that there are a lot of NASCAR fans in Alabama and that uh, people like uh, K-Crush's kind ain't loud around here. Uh, K-Crush says, Damn you, Sadler, and damn Alabama and your apartheid rules. He then grabs the shirt of Sadler, and then Brian Christopher comes out to put the brakes on K-Crush while James is absolutely shocked by what I said. Uh, him and the NASCAR guys send K-Crush out of the ring, and then Brian Christopher cuts a promo and says that he wants a match against K-Crush next week. Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Brian Christopher is, Brian Christopher is... Brian Christopher Lawler, who is the son of Jerry Lawler, the former Grandmaster Sexay in uh, the WWF, part of Too Cool with Rikishi and Scotty Too Hottie. R.I.P. Uh, passed in a very weird way, very questionable very, way. Yep, very sad. Uh, but very sad story indeed. So R.I.P. Grandmaster Sexay, a.k.a. Brian Christopher Lawler. Uh, after this, we are backstage. 
with Jeff Jarrett, and he has Jackie Fargo by the throat. No Goldilocks, no Goldilocks in sight. No Goldilocks in sight. Oh, we do want to mention that during that promo earlier uh, between Jeff Jarrett and Jackie Fargo, where Jackie Fargo was saying he was going to kick his ass, um, Jeff Jarrett, uh, 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 Jackie Fargo talks about the strut and how it shouldn't be Jeff Jarrett's. He mentions that like real briefly in there. And if you right. don't know, Jackie Fargo and um, Buddy, Rogers. Buddy Rogers invented the strut. In a sense, uh, Ric Flair kind of took that from uh, Buddy Rogers once he took the Nature Boy moniker. And I guess Jeff Jarrett kind of took that from uh, them as well. And Ric Flair. Yeah, I guess sure. so. I don't know. But, you know, just a, just a quick little note. That was yep. that was cool. And uh, we go to our fourth match of the evening, which is Christian York and uh, Joey Matthews versus the Dups. We've already met the Dups. We've already uh, spoken about what they what they're all about. Uh, Christian York would later go on be a mainstay in TNA uh, and Impact Wrestling. I believe he's a, he might have a, a actually won the heavyweight title if I remember. I, I don't remember exactly, but he definitely won the X Division title if I if I remember. And uh, for those of you who don't know who Joey Matthews is, it's Joey Mercury pre WWE before he was with Eminem. Yes, and I yeah this uh, X Division champ no no world title for Christian York. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Number he, one contender tournament, so he didn't even win it. No, he just won the number one. He didn't make any. He didn't have any titles at all. Yeah, in he TNA. won gut check. That's about it. That doesn't count. He was a. He was more of a. Uh, more of a enhancement talent for sure. Uh, regular mid card mainstay. He was the VCW tag team champion. If you don't know what VCW is, it's Virginia Championship Wrestling. He was that tag team champ with Joey Matthews. He was also a Steel City Wrestling, which was uh, managed by uh, Mortimer. And he was also with Joey Matthews there. He was uh, with Joey Matt. He was with Joey Matthews, like, pretty much throughout the Midwest and the East Coast. Yeah, he had say, a he... number of tag team championship reigns with Joey Matthews. Yeah, I was about to say, he was with uh, Joey Mac Matthews for a very a long time. Uh, before Matthews ended up going to WWE, and then the rest is history. He ended up being synonymous with Joey, uh, Johnny Nitro, and Molina, and, and then later his on, face busted. Yep, he had his face busted. Uh, would later go on to be a member of the Straight Edge Society and the J and J Security, and yada yada yada. So. Yeah, so he's he's made a long and illustrious career. You know, maybe not being in the forefront for all of it, but uh, enough that he's he his impact was was felt. Yeah, so um, the bell rings. York and Joey yell at Fluff on the apron, which allowed the Dups to take the advantage early. And there was a cool moment where Christian York hits a dual drop kick on the Dups, a springboard dual drop kick. Uh, Stan Dup uh, goes and hits a full Nelson slam, and Bo Dup uh, hits a few big moves of his own um, on Christian York. There was a double team in the corner against York, but he hits a corkscrew forearm on a Stan Dup, kind of from the second rope to to escape that. Uh, Matthews gets Stan outside while York has Bo Dup down in the middle of the ring. Uh, he goes to the top rope and takes, um, I'm sorry, he goes, yeah, he goes to the top rope and takes uh, Bo Dup down while the ref is distracted by Matthews and Stan. Um, Bo Dup, I'm sorry, takes York down 
while the ref was distracted. It was kind of bullshit. Bo then gets the pin on York for the pin and the win. Very sloppy, very ch- quick. Yeah, very, I was about like, to say. Not, not a short, sh- uh, uh, not a, f- a, a long match at all. Not with, at all. With any of these uh, matches that are happening. That was three minutes and 41 seconds. A lot of these matches didn't go over five minutes. Uh, a lot of them. No, the Flying Elvises was the only one that went over five minutes. Aside that- from the main event, which we're going to get to, the main event... Uh, went 30 minutes if you want to count the final two. It went almost 36 minutes. Yeah. So give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a promo for uh, Toby Keith, and Toby Keith uh, then comes out and to sing. Uh, to sing, we actually fast forwarded this part because we didn't think it was anything was going to happen. We got towards the end and we were like, Oh, something. Oh, did something happen. did happen. And Jeff Jarrett comes out and pushes Toby Keith out of the way. Toby Keith did not like that one bit, as if he didn't know he was at a wrestling show. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to fucking listen to Toby Keith's music. No. Um, I mean, I like Toby Keith, but I'm not a. You're I'm a country not, fan. I'm I was not. about to say I like country music. So it's, <laughs> but with, uh, not not with my wrestling. No. Not not, not right now. No. I don't need concerts in the middle of my wrestling. Stop trying to be WrestleMania. It's your first pay per view. Exactly. Anyways. Uh, Toby Keith was angry. Yeah. Um, refs and security are all out to the ring because Toby is that damn mad. Uh, Jeff then gets on the mic and says, no one wants to hear Toby Keith, so he should go to the back. And uh, he then asked Toby, how do you like me now? The name uh, yeah. of Toby Keith's song that he was singing. That he was just performing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this starts our fifth and final match of the pay-per-view. And that is the gauntlet for the gold match. For the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. We already have Jeff Jarrett out to the ring. Next up is Buff Bagwell. He flies down. And he damn near knocks a cameraman over to get to Jeff. American males. American males. Yeah. If you don't know who Buff Bagwell is, listen to our War Ready uh, a saga that we have on the Monday Night Wars. He is in it a plenty. Uh, so, yeah. Buff Bagwell gets in. He gets started early going after Jeff. Uh, he hits a swinging neck breaker. He almost gets thrown over the top, uh, but uh, that doesn't work. Buff then hits a blockbuster and then goes to hit Jarrett with a clothesline on the ropes, but gets sent up and over. Uh, so Jeff Jarrett is the only sole person in the ring right now while the clock is still ticking down. Speaking of the clock, it's all screwed up at that point because halfway through the countdown, they say, screw it, and we're going to send the next guy out. The next guy is Lash LaRue, who, as I said, if you listen to War Ready, he is a former WCW Tag Team Champion. Uh, he gets sent through the ropes immediately by Jeff through the middle of the ropes onto the outside. Jeff then beats him up on the outside for a little bit after bringing him uh, before bringing him back in. Jeff then hits the stroke and sends Lash out pretty nastily, takes him out over the top rope pretty ugly. Uh, Don West then says that somebody pissed in Jeff's cereal. And that man being to- uh, uh, that man being Toby Keith, Jeff is really pissed at this point. He's selling the intensity pretty well, and he's looking pretty strong. Uh, the clock keeps counting down, but before it gets to zero, Norman Smiley is out next. If you don't know who Norman Smiley is, he is a former WCW Hardcore Champion. Does he have any other accolades under his belt? Uh, stand by one. I'm pulling it now. I'm pulling it not, up now. Not and, sure. Uh, so he is. Um, Two-time and first-ever WCW Hardcore Champion, he was ranked number 375 on the uh, of the 500 best singles singles wrestlers in the PWI years in 2003. And on top of that, looking at, at everything else, he's kind of got 
uh, heavyweight championships from a bunch of uh, independent, well, not independent. Some of them are well-known, Maxim Pro Wrestling and uh, Global Wrestling Alliance, places like that. Uh, places that don't really make the mainstay, but nonetheless, the guy uh, has his fair share of championships as well. Yeah. Uh, so he comes out, uh, doesn't really do much at all. Uh, he gets, you know, Jeff goes out at him right away, but Smiley actually stops him, hits the wiggle, which got, you know, the fans to do a quick little pop. Jeff Jarrett then hits a, a low blow on Smiley, hits the stroke, sends him outside too. After this, we have Apollo, who's a former uh, IWA, yes, yeah, IWA, IWA World Heavyweight Champion. If you don't know what the IWA is, they are the main, one of two main promotions, I believe they're the only promotion now in Puerto Rico, at least major promotion. Uh, so Apollo is the former heavyweight champion there, former tag team champion there as well. Apollo was the only person who didn't get sent out by Jeff Jarrett right away. He stays in damn near almost to the very end. Uh, he's way too big for the for Jeff. Jeff tries to send him out. Uh, Apollo reverses it and then tries to send Jeff out, but Jeff goes through the middle. So we finally have more than two competitors in the ring as the uh, clock winds down. Kate Crush comes out to the ring as Apollo has Jeff in a gorilla press, but that doesn't happen. And Crush hits Apollo with the scissor kick. Uh, both Jeff and K Quick, uh, K Crush, sorry, not quite Quick, are working over Apollo as the clock counts down. And then we have James Mitchell walking down with Slash, who is the former Wolfie D. Yep. Didn't think I'd see that name again. Nah, Wolfie D is from PG-13. He's from the very, very, very early episodes of War Ready. Uh, uh, one of the first, I want to say like five episodes of War Ready. Him and uh, the other guy. Um, damn, forgot JC Ice. JC Ice. They make up the old, old uh, USWA Tag Team Champions, PG-13. So he makes a appearance solo this time, managed by James Mitchell. Uh, he starts getting to work on Apollo, but doesn't get much offense in early. Um, the make, commentary makes a note that every time Apollo or somebody tries to gorilla press somebody out of the ring, somebody else goes and stops it from happening, which is a very good note on commentary to call out the bullshit that goes on in the ring because this is bullshit. Right. And it happens in a lot of battle royals. I've been a part of battle royals where I've been trying to get the guy out and I get attacked from behind. Now I know I'm going to expose the industry here, and I'm going to say that we all know when we're going to be eliminated. But make it make more fucking sense. I've always said it. Make it make more sense. Correct. And down in 2002, that shit wasn't making no motherfucking sense. After this, Del Rios is out to the ring. Not Alberto. Not Alberto. We don't know who he is, but we know that he looks like a Spanish Scott Steiner. Commentary kind of noticed the two and made a note uh, to say it. Uh, so for those of you who don't know Del Rios, uh, I do know Del Rios, uh, not on a personal level, but um, he is the former Fantasio from WWF. He ended up not, that gimmick ended up not sticking. It was a magician's gimmick. That's the, that only the reason that I know about it. Was that WWF superstars type mm -hmm. of? Yes, it was relatively early on. Okay. So, 
with that being said. Did absolutely nothing and then came over here. Correct. Uh, awesome. Great. He looks like a Spanish Scott Steiner. Commentary noticed it too, so they made a mention of it. All the guys are clumped up in the corner doing absolutely nothing until Justice comes out. If you don't know who Justice is, that is a man named Abyss, who is a TNA. I don't know if he's a TNA Hall of Famer. He should be a TNA be. Hall of Famer. I believe he should be, be a pro wrestling Hall of Famer at this point. Uh, but yeah, very, 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 very much a good hand to have for TNA. Wound up being a TNA mainstay for so, so, so very long before he turned into Joseph Park and went to the WWF and helped out AJ Styles. Uh, honestly, when Justice came out, though, even though it is Abyss, kind of looked like Mongo. Kind of thought Mongo was coming yeah, out. Yeah, that was ring. Mongo McMichael, right? I'm not sure if Mongo was dealing with the ALS at this point, and that's why he wasn't involved in TNA or or what was going on. But, uh, I mean, it was good to see Abyss. Absolutely. <laughs> um, he looks good. He does a big boot to both uh, Jeff Jarrett and Del Rios. Uh, Conan comes out next. He comes out to a good pop. A lot of people love Conan. Uh, he does a couple of rolling lariats. Uh, to a few people and then after this yeah it starts getting real confusing so we got a guy who comes out to the ring looks like your average real estate salesman from florida uh open shirt spanish not really shaved in any part of his body not at all just looks real relaxed he comes out to the ring and i'm going to read pretty much paraphrasing what he's going to say uh he said that he changes anything with the skirt and gets right up the dress. Says he's going to be with five girls in Huntsville because he doesn't settle for less. If you're with five girls in Huntsville, I, I, I'm not even going to say anything. Anyway, he's going to leave the sheets a mess. And before you get all loose, everyone, get ready for Bruce. Who's Bruce? Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce. Two rather so, flamboyant this, men come out to the ring. Yeah, on top of that, Bruce this guy, being one of them. Bruce has some of the craziest ring names I have ever seen, and I want to go just down the list real quick. So, a quick little tangent. Uh, first, before we get to that, he's five foot ten, two hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, he was born and resides in Alliance, Ohio. He was trained by the Power Plant. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the Power Plant is, the Power Plant is the training school for W, the former training school for WCW. And he and Paul Orndorff. On top of that, his ring names include names such as Queewee, the Funkster, Triple <laughs> A. His name is his real name is Alan Funk. So we'll just Angry Alan Funk, good one. Bruce, Queen Herod, and Chichi. That is all. <laughs> his major wrestling accomplishments begin. And end in total nonstop action wrestling. Unless we want to count uh, the BTW Ohio Tag Team Championship. He had and matches with the Great Muda. He had gra matches with Kojima. He had matches with uh, Kawada. He teamed up with Mike Awesome. This was all in All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, he then wrestled in 2010, as you said, under the name Chi Chi. Of the Exotico division for MTV2 wrestling TV project that was called Lucha Libre USA Masked Warriors, and he played a parody of Lady Gaga. So, Miss TNA one time. Yes. 
He was he was Miss TNA. Yep. And no, it's not next week. I looked. Wow. Okay. Um, he was also in Vince Russo's Ring of Glory promotion as well. So I mean. He made a... Have you watched any of that, Ring of Glory? No. It is like... It takes place in a church. Can like, we? Yeah, I'll find, okay. see if I can find it. All but right. uh, I, We'll talk after. But it, like, it, it takes place in a church, and I'm not talking like a church hall. Like It takes place in a church. Anyways. Wonderful. Uh, so Bruce comes out, like I said, he... Rather flamboyant. He comes out with Lenny Lane. Uh, Lenny Lane is also a former Midwest uh, wrestling mainstay he was in wcw as well uh he had a lot of monikers too um in terms of championships he was a cruiserweight champion one time for uh the wcw but pretty much him and bruce make up the rainbow express kind of like the midnight express or things of that nature. They are the Rainbow Express. You see where the fuck we're going with this? Yeah. You, you, you see where we're going with this? Yep. He doesn't come out to a great reaction because Alabama does not have great reactions to his kind of gimmick at all. Uh, he gets in the ring, and he eats a lariat from Apollo almost immediately. Uh, Rick Steiner then comes out to a chorus of boos. I don't know why. Got to look into that. I'm not sure why, but I'm sure there's a reason. Yeah, he gives a, a number of stiff clotheslines to damn near everybody in the ring. He then sends Slash out. He sends Justice out. Uh, and then Malice is out next. He's another disciple of the new church along with uh, the first guy, Slash, that James Mitchell brought out. James Mitchell is still out there. Slash already got eliminated. Uh, Malice was... was uh, uh, entered not long after that. Um, yep, Malice doesn't end up getting sent out. Uh, he ends up av av narrowly avoiding elimination on that one. Yeah. Um, he chokeslams Del Rio and then Bruce and then Conan and then yeah. K Crush. Uh, <laughs> he then eliminates Bruce and then K Crush and then Del Rios and then Conan. So all four people that he chokeslammed, he then sent them outside of the ring. Uh, then Rick Steiner is eliminated after that. Uh, now we only have Jeff, Jarrett, Malice, and Apollo in the ring. Uh, Apollo almost gets sent out, and then he skins the cat while Scott Hall makes his way out. He finally entered. So I almost forgot that we had more competitors that had to come out. I thought we were good after this. Oh, no. That's only 14 out of 20. Yeah, so Scott Hall makes his way out. The reason why I said I don't think he had any time between his WWF exit and his NWA uh, debut because this motherfucker still had click gear on. Yeah. He still had gear from when he was the click with uh, with uh, uh, Kevin Nash and uh, yep. X-Pac and all them. Uh, the commentary team acknowledges that he just left the WWF. Apollo hits a huge super kick on Malice. Scott and uh, Jeff Jarrett start working together. Um, then Scott hits the, uh, I'm sorry, Scott and Jeff Jarrett start fighting each other. Scott hits the razor's edge on Jeff Jarrett. Don't know if it's called the razor's edge at this point. I'm assuming not, but they didn't make mention of what the um, finish was. Toby Keith then comes in the ring while Jeff Jarrett is selling the razor's edge. He then gets Jeff Jarrett up for a delayed vertical suplex. And delivers it absolutely beautifully. Yep, flawless. Flawless vertical delayed suplex on Jeff Jarrett. Him and Scott Hall send Jeff Jarrett out while Ed Ferrara is on commentary, livid, saying that this is gross and that 
Toby Keith shouldn't have made uh, the interference. I'm not going to disagree with Ed Ferrara there. Ed Ferrara was was the MVP of, of commentary Absolutely. This week. It was actually really entertaining from him. Surprising, but. because I had no idea who this man was, and he also looks like the front man of Korn. Uh, we go back to the action. Both Scott Hall and Apollo then team up on Malice. Chris Harris then comes out. Uh, I totally forgot the clock was happening at, at this point. Um, yeah. Chris Harris, if you don't know who he is, uh, he's a former uh, TNA Tag Team Champion with J- uh, James Storm, and they made up the America's Most Wanted uh, Tag Team. Um, <laughs> man. Yeah. The Vampire Warrior is next to come out, and if you don't know who the Vampire Warrior is, it's Gangrel. It's my old coach! <laughs> What's up, coach? Uh, yeah, Gangrel comes out uh, before the 90 seconds is up, and he tries to make his mark almost immediately, does absolutely fucking nothing. We get sloppy big man wrestling after this. Uh, then we get Devin Storm out next, uh, a.k.a. That's Crowbar, yep, from WCW. Exactly. Crowbar from WCW. They acknowledge those roots. Uh, Steve Carino's out now. He's really the only NWA heavyweight champion that has that's in this match. No one else in this match has ever been NWA heavyweight champion aside from uh, Steve Carino. Uh, Steve Carino does a real good job against everybody at first. Um, and then uh, he gets to work on Gangrel. Malice is about to fall out, but then Mitchell, pu- Mitch's, uh, uh, Mitchell pushes him back in. Ken Shamrock finally comes out at number 19, as promised. And he starts taking everybody out and uh, beating everybody up. He then tries to hit Malice with a wheel kick, but Malice no-sells. And finally, we get our last competitor of the evening, which is none other than Brian Christopher, a.k.a. Grandmaster Sexy. Uh... He immediate, uh, immediate, uh, he immediately eliminates uh, Devin Storm. He eliminates uh, Gangrel, and he eliminates Steve Carino. Um, after that, he eats a heavy choke slam from Malice. Uh, Shamrock then throws uh, uh, Brian Christopher out after the slam, and now we have just Apollo, Scott Hall, Malice. And uh, Ken Shamrock in the ring. So we got our final four. Apollo and Scott Hall double-team Malice. Malice then sends Apollo out. Uh, Hall goes to hit the razor's edge on Malice. And then he gets sent out. So now we have Malice and Ken Shamrock as the final two. And we go to a singles match. And we waste no time. Ricky, Ricky Steamboat's already in the ring with the referee uniform on. And we get our match underway. Yeah, Mitchell uh, is in the ring when the bell... Uh, he's on the apron when the bell rings, and he starts telling words to Malice. doesn't really go anywhere. No, not not at least not, at least not right now. Yeah, it doesn't really make much of a difference. Um, Malice was uh, had the advantage early with some big slams and offense in the corner. Uh, Malice goes for a choke slam, but then Ken reverses it to an arm bar. Uh, Malice pretty much taps... Yeah, it I was weird. He was tapping. He tapped like three or four times, and nobody... And, and the referee never called it. No, Ricky. Ricky I don't Steamboat. know if this was a Ricky Steamboat thing or if it was just not a tap or yeah. They, I I don't know. I th- I just think it didn't work to the finish that they probably had with Ricky, so he wasn't calling anything that wasn't the, the finish, finish of the right. match, which oftentimes happens in professional wrestling. But you know, it it looks pretty sloppy. Uh, so Malice uh, was like a fingertip away from the ropes, but he couldn't reach the ropes until Mitchell gives him the ropes. Right in front of Ricky Steamboat. 
right in the right in the view. Ricky Steamboat is watching this happen, and there's no disqualification, no ejection of anybody. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Yep. Uh, then Malice kind of recovers. He goes for a big boot out of an Irish whip, but then uh, Ken Shamrock catches it for an ankle lock. Uh, Malice then grabs the rope again, and Ken brings him back in as James Mitchell is arguing for a rope break, which is a fair argument because he did grab the ropes. Uh, Ferrari even agreed, but Ricky Steamboat doesn't call the rope break. It doesn't matter. Uh, Malice then grabs the ropes again, and now Ricky is counting practically. You said he to said, a, he said what? Uh, yeah, Ricky Steamboat counted all the way to seven. Uh, and usually in wrestling, if you get counted to five, it's a disqualification. It went well beyond five, went to seven, and uh, Ken and Ricky start arguing. Uh, yeah, Ken then pushes uh, Ricky. Malice goes to choke slam Ken off of the distraction, and it gets turned into a belly to belly for the pin and the win. And your new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, the holder of the 10 pounds of gold. Ken freaking Shamrock, the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, in Sh- 2002. Sure. Yep. Because he didn't get any win when he was in WWF, so they were just like, hey, we know Carry you did shit legacy, there. Yeah. Exactly. We know you didn't do shit there. We'll give you everything you want over here. Yep. And we go from one legit fighter holding the NWA World's Championship to yet another NWA World's Champion who was also a legitimate fighter. So in that regard, you do have legitimate people holding holding the championship, maybe to give it a little bit more prestige. Unfortunately, Ken Shamrock is not the best wrestler in the world. We're going to get to that. Yeah, not at all. Uh, after the win, commentary is talking about the event and how great it was uh, until we cut to Jeff Jarrett and uh, Jackie Fargo and Toby Keith are in the back. They're arguing. Uh, Jeff Jarrett then comes out to the ring. He has a mic in his hand. He bitches about the match as a whole. He then jaw jacks Harley Race, Bullet Bob Armstrong, and Dory Funk, who are at ringside. And he talks about how they never won the championship off of a battle royal and that this is bullshit. He then lays a hand on Bullet Bob Armstrong, pushes him over the announce table, and then pushes Dory Funk uh, before getting back into the ring. Jackie Fargo and Toby Keith come out uh, down ringside. Toby Keith does absolutely nothing. Jackie Fargo has the mic in his hand, and he says that even though he's old and that Toby is a singer, uh, Jeff can still get his ass kicked. And he calls on Scott Hall, who comes out and starts brawling with JJ as the show comes to a close. Yep. Yeah, what we fade a right finish to, this was. Yep, we fade right to black, and that's the end of the show. Overall, like I said, okay, as far as like the matches go. Nothing crazy to write home about. There were... Sprinkles of genius in this uh, in this show, and uh, for a brand new show that uh, that's gonna hit the scene, weekly pay per view certainly a thing to look at. I'm gonna look into like more like the finance and everything like that for that because I'm kind of interested. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a bad first show. It really isn't. As much as I I, I want to shit on it, I can't. Um, it was a very okay. Uh, had I been there in person, I think I actually would have said it was probably a really good show. Yeah, I think I would have enjoyed it. I think the energy in there definitely helped. Alabamans, the Alabamians, the, the South loves rex- wrestling. Like it, 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 as old school as it is, is like the South still loves wrestling. Like we have wrestling towns in the big cities, the Chicago's, the New Yorks. 
Los Angeles is the Miamis. You know, every all they all have their own wrestling thing. The South still loves wrestling. Yeah, South still loves wrestling. Uh, those brother cousins and sister uncles definitely do a good job of knowing their pro wrestling because this was this was crazy. Uh, it was definitely nonstop action, whether it be for the better or for the worse. Um, and I don't know. I it made me excited to see what was to come. Yeah, no, absolutely. I want to see where where it continues. So, granted, we have this lingerie battle royal at the, you know, the next week. Yeah, uh, to see where that leads to. We also have the fatal four way between uh, Low Key, AJ Styles, uh, Jerry Lynn, and Psychosis for the X Division Championship. Looks like we're going to get Scott Hall and Jeff Jarrett next week as well. So we got a couple of matches, at least three so far. Don't know who the other matches are going to be. I'm not excited about those other matches. I guess we'll see. Yeah. We shall see. Uh, You know, mystery tends to astonish sometimes. So we'll take a look and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I kind of knew that this... I mean, like, I didn't know how this show was. I know that Ken Shamrock was the first... Uh, NWA World Heavyweight Champion from this inception of TNA, you know, the beginning inception of TNA. So I know that that happened. I I thought it was very, um, very uh, cool to see how it came about and how the show came about. So, yeah, so I'm excited for the future. Hopefully, uh, I mean, I know the kind of shit wrestling we're going to get leading in. You know, <laughs> It's not even, you know what it is? It's like TNA was never really badly, as bad as far as the wrestling goes. It's the story and the presentation. Uh, the, the guys that they didn't push to put to the forefront, all that stuff. That's what really was the downfall of TNA. The wrestlers were, were always solid. Yeah. And I mean... Can- you know, you get. We're gonna get into it if we even get this far. I'm sure we will. Uh, you know, guys like uh, the Young Bucks who came up as Generation Me in Impact, the Motor City Machine Guns, Matt Morgan. To an know. extent, there came a point where AJ Styles was even looked over in TNA. In basically, I mean. He, they had nothing for him, so they shoehorned him in, in, into other storylines. On top of that, you've got guys who just. Uh, Orlando Jordan came back for a little while and he was all over the place for no reason. Yeah, you got Christopher Daniels, you got Samoa Joe. So you have a lot of mainstays, a lot of homegrown talent that eventually will be bred from this inception of the NWA and TNA once it breaks off. Uh, But this is the start of something beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. So be sure to tune in to our future editions of Total Nonstop Review. Uh, if you haven't already, please go ahead and check out War Ready, which precedes this uh, uh, version of, you know, reviews that we cover the Monday Night Wars, which is pretty much, you know, ending up at, at this point right right about now in this point in time in wrestling history. So make sure you look out for that. Make sure you look out for our paper reviews as well as our interviews with independent pro- professional wrestlers throughout uh, the Northeast and Southeast and fans that we have that we like to incorporate into our podcast. And if you want to be one of those people, please make sure to go ahead and follow us on our social media, which James will reiterate. Of course. 
Double Turn Radio on Twitter. If you take that O at the end of radio and make it a zero, that's how you're going to find our Twitter handle. Facebook and YouTube are going to be simply Double Turn Radio. Instagram is going to be double underscore turn underscore radio. Also on our socials, you can find our link tree. That's where you're going to get the links to wherever your podcasts are, such as Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it. We're there. That's where you'll be able to get your fix for professional wrestling every single day of the week on top of that we'd like to thank joey flats he provides the music for the intro and outro of every episode that we do ladies and gentlemen double turn radio is your number one wrestling audio encyclopedia whether you're on the road as a worker or at home as a fan or just need your fix for professional wrestling we are here for you let us be your plug for everything pro wrestling absolutely uh so yeah make sure you check us out we will be back very, very soon with our second edition of Total Nonstop Review. My name is Xavier Heat, wrestling's favorite hothead for the man with no gimmick, the James Conti. This is Double Turn Radio. This has been Total Nonstop Reviews. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Bye.